0: It's time for Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. And now, here's Pastor Kenny Word.
1: I want to ask you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, you're not a Thessalonian, but you're a Christian. We're going uh, to begin here in First in Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, and uh, a, a, as we get into this message tonight, uh, look, I want to tell you something. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're here. I, I thank God that you come out on Sunday nights. Um, I thank God that you're faithful to the church and I thank God that you're faithful to him more than anything Um, but what we do on Sunday nights um, you know I I just I love Sunday nights and um, I want this to be exciting for you too Um, I got a couple of series that I want to get into on Sunday nights Um, so before I get uh, started tonight I just want to kind of See how you're leaning. How you're leaning. So, um, one of the one of the things that I would like to get into is eschatology. Eschatology, which is end times, the rapture, the second coming, um, all those kinds of things. Raise your hand if that interests you. Okay. Uh, another one that I'm looking at getting into is the King James Bible. Raise your hand if that interests you. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so now what? So now what are we going to do? Um, those actually are, are two of the series that I'm looking at getting into. Another one is something you may or may not have heard of before, but it's called Dispensations. How many of you would like to get into that? Have you heard of that? Okay. I heard of it. How many of y'all have heard of it, but you don't really know what it is? Okay. Okay. All right. So um, those are the things that we're looking at. Um, So be in prayer about it and grab my ear after church. Let me know what you would rather have of those. I got a couple of other things as well, Um, but we're looking at getting into some deeper stuff. I told the church this morning, if you only come on Sunday morning, all you're getting is a cupcakes. You're not getting the meat and potatoes. Amen. You know, you can go a little bit deeper on Sunday night, but you know, really Wednesday nights when we kind of go at a at a snail's pace sometimes. Now, sometimes the Lord moves and it, it's different, but a lot of times we're at a snail's pace. I think we've been in the book of Galatians for over a year. Hello? Amen. So, all right. Y'all ready? Okay, First Thessalonians chapter five, beginning in verse number 17. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to open the word of God. Lord, we thank you that your word is holy and pure. Father, we thank you that we hold your word in our hands. Lord, I pray that You would bless Your Word, that You would anoint Your Word, that it would accomplish what You desire. Lord, I ask for Your anointing to preach and to teach what You desire. And Lord, we ask for the anointing to be able to understand, Father, that we can comprehend what You're saying by the Spirit of God. And Father, we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says... 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 three words profound statement pray without ceasing now this this verse here in in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 it represents a a culmination of how to live a godly life and that is to pray without ceasing one of the things that we are uh, always and always and always told to do in the church is is to not be too heavenly minded because if you do that you're you're going to become No earthly good, and I completely and utterly reject that statement. I believe that the problem with the church is that we're not heavenly-minded. Hello? Amen? I believe the problem with the church is that we're not eternity-minded, but we are too worldly, too carnal. We're too caught up in this, that, and the other. We're too caught up in ball games, and fishing and too caught up in TV shows and and what we're going to eat. And, and I praise God that God is beginning to stir up the church, like I said earlier. It's a stirring that's not a church mouse. It's a stirring that's the Spirit of God. I, I, I can't tell you how excited I am. So one of the things that excites me is that people are coming to me during the week and telling me what they're studying on their own and excited about things and can't wait to tell me what they've been reading, can't wait to tell me what they've been finding in the Word of God as they're digging in, as they're searching. And I can tell you as a pastor, nothing makes me more happy. It is exciting to me because I'm beginning to see a stirring in the Spirit. Now, this stirring in the Spirit, like we were uh, talking about earlier, this is something that we all uh, must do, but it is a spiritual stirring. It's something that God does within us as we yield to God. As we yield to God, as He is, as He says, the potter, and we are the clay god will begin to form and stir you into the man or woman of god that he's called you to be not only that you'll be formed into the man or woman of god that he's called you to be but you'll have the right heart to do what he's called you to do amen what good is it if god made you to be a teacher if you're angry at everybody all the time right what good is it to be a, a, a worship leader if you're mad at everybody or angry at everybody or resentful or bitter or prideful, right? So, God, if God is the potter and we're the clay, not only does He form the outside, He builds us up. As it says, we are um, His handiwork. Amen? Amen? We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So, He forms you and He builds you up. But the heart, the desire on the inside comes through prayer. That's where true change takes place. And God does things through prayer that He doesn't do any other way. You know, one of the uh, great stories in the Bible is whenever uh, the disciples could not cast out the evil spirit out of a child, and, and they came to Jesus, and Jesus did. And they said, well, why couldn't we do it? Well, first He said their faith, but then He said, But this one only comes out through two things, fasting and prayer. Now, I understand that there are some words we're not supposed to say in 2018, like repent and hell. Amen. Fasting and prayer is right up in there, too. Nobody likes to hear sermons about fasting and nobody likes to hear sermons about prayer. But there are some things that you have just got to fast and pray yourself through. There are some spiritual battles that if you don't fast and pray, you're just not going to win. You can you can be complacent and just sit where you are. That's perfectly fine. You can just, you know, sit in a rocking chair and wait till the Lord calls you home. But if you want to win the spiritual battle, there's going to be times that you've got to roll up your sleeves and fast and pray. And so what we see here in First Thessalonians five verse seventeen The Apostle Paul tells the church to pray without ceasing. Now, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he's not talking about praying 24-7. What he's talking about is an attitude of prayer in you all the time. That at any moment of time, no matter what you're doing, you're able to move right into prayer whether you're working whether you're peeling potatoes whether you're washing dishes whether you're cutting the grass whether you're driving to work whether you're having a conversation with your child no matter what it is you're doing if you keep yourself in an attitude of prayer you you're able to pray without ceasing in other words the way that most people Think about prayer and not you, but the way that most people think about prayer is before I pray, I've got to go, you know, take care of some stuff. I've got to go get my house right. I've got to go get my attitude right. I've got to go ask for forgiveness of this, forgiveness of that. I might have to do this because you don't feel right. Amen. Amen because a lot of people live in condemnation and so this these three words are actually profound and what the apostle paul is trying to get you to do is live outside of condemnation to live in the freedom that we have in jesus christ amen to live in that place where you're in continual prayer mode no matter what you're doing so you don't get too angry why because you're staying in prayer mode you don't, you don't get too over here, out of bounds. You don't get too over here, out of bounds. But you stay in a place where you can continually conversation have a conversation with God and pray over the things in your life, the things in others' lives, the things that you see going wrong in the world. Amen? Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all remember the story of David and Goliath? All right, David and Goliath, the, the, the epic battle. Everybody wants to be David, nobody wants to be Goliath. It's the big battle. Now here's the problem. Here's the problem that you see. Whenever David comes to the camp, he was only bringing food for his brothers, right? But what he saw was that Goliath was defying the God of Israel. He was mocking God and one of the things he was asking he said what's going on and they started telling him and one of his brothers got on his case right and 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 david said famously is there not a cause is there not a cause what happened is he walked up to the battlefield and he saw somebody defying god and he immediately went into This isn't right. Amen. Amen. See, if you keep yourself in an attitude of prayer, you may walk up onto a battlefield unknowingly. You may walk up into something unknowingly. You may go home and find yourself in a battle. You may get in your car, find yourself in a battle. You may come to church, Lord forbid, and find yourself in a battle. You may go to work and find yourself in a battle but you'll find yourselves in battles just walking up on them, and if you're praying without ceasing, you can immediately begin to say, this isn't right, and pray that thing down. Are you with me? You can immediately move right into prayer mode. And and if you're not walking with God, if you're not walking in the Spirit, if you're sputtering and not walking in the Spirit, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to do it, and what's going to happen is you're going to do exactly what everybody else in Israel did. You're going to say, oh wow, we're getting whooped. Look at this, we're getting whooped. You're going to be looking at it from a natural standpoint instead of a spiritual standpoint. What? set David apart from everybody else, including the king of Israel, is that David looked at the situation with spiritual eyes, not natural eyes. And what will set you apart in your battle, in your day of battle, is if you will stop looking at situations with physical, natural eyes and begin to look at them with spiritual eyes. David knew no matter what he saw physically, spiritually, the battle was done. He knew no matter what he saw physically, the battle belonged to the Lord. Amen. And so that is where he drew that that. that that spiritual authority. He rose up because he knew that God was going to be victorious. That God would not be defied by a man. He knew that. Amen. God's not going to be defied by anything or anyone. And David recognized that and all the rest of Israel didn't. So many times what you'll see in the church house church houses is that people will look at battles through natural, natural eyes. Amen? They will look at battles no matter what it is. Whether maybe a church doesn't have enough money to pay the rent, or maybe um, a a church doesn't have a preacher, or maybe a church doesn't have this or that. And what they will begin to do is they will begin to look at things through natural eyes, and if you do that, you've already lost the battle. You've already allowed the enemy to win. Amen? And how many of you know that we can do that in our own lives, in our families, in situations? What about when things aren't going the way that we know that they're supposed to go, right? I do the right thing. I've done the right thing. And look what's happened. Look at the nation of Israel. What did they do wrong before Goliath? They didn't really do anything wrong before Goliath. Goliath just happened to show up because he's just Goliath. He's one of God's enemies. And sometimes you find yourself in those battles just because that's just the way it is. And what God is calling on us to do is to fight spiritually. Amen? And so David uh, recognized that and caught on to that principle. He was able to move immediately into prayer. He was able to just effortlessly move. He was fleshing out praying without ceasing before Paul ever penned it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was fleshing it out because he was able to go straight from taking food to my brothers to, hey, that's not right. He's defying Israel. Let's do something about it. Is there not a cause? And so when, when, when you're not walking in the Spirit, you will do exactly what the nation of Israel did, which is just set on your laurels, which is just kick back and let the enemy run roughshod. And God's calling you to press in and press through. Amen? Yes. If you're not willing to engage the enemy in the battle, the enemy's going to win. All you've got to do is call on God. That's all you've got to do is call on the name of the Lord. God's already won the victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. Your job is to depend on the Lord and stop looking at things through natural eyes. That's what you're called to do. So I want to show you a couple of things uh, tonight about this situation. Um, let let um, Let me take you over to the book of Psalms in... Uh, chapter number 32. The book of Psalms, chapter number 32. I want to show you a passage uh, 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 um, here in Psalm 32. Verse number 6 is where we're going to start. It says, now, now here earlier, uh, David is praying and, and he's talking about being forgiven of his sins. So, if you're going to walk in, in the Spirit, if you're going to walk in this attitude of praying without ceasing, you're going to you're gonna have to know that your sins are dealt with. Amen? Amen? Amen. And if you're... It, listen, very closely please. If you're not right with God in an area... You need to stop, drop, and get right with God in that area. Don't go another day wrong with God. Stop what you're doing and get right with God. Whatever it may be. Well, I, It doesn't matter what it is. If it's, if, if it's small, if you think it's small and no big deal, well, listen, God is interested in small and no big deal things. Amen. Okay. They're, they're, those things are important to God because what it shows is whether you're going to surrender to Him or not. Okay, And so if there's something that's in between you and God, if you're out of sorts in any kind of an area, go ahead and get that thing right. And what you see at the beginning, beginning of this uh, psalm is that David, his, his prayer, his blessing is over this thankfulness that his sin has been dealt with. Amen. And and what that shows you is that he was walking in the spirit before the Holy Spirit pinned it. He was walking in the spirit because he had his he had his issues dealt with. And that's where this inspiration comes from. So we're talking about someone who's not carrying around baggage. Amen. We're talking about someone who's not carrying around baggage. We're talking about someone who's not carrying their sin in a, in a sack on their back and, and just taking it wherever they go. This is We're talking about someone who's been cleansed. We're talking about someone who's been cleansed. And that's the only way you're able to pray without ceasing. So look at what it says, in, 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 in and he goes through those in the first five verses. But look what he says in verse number 6. Verse number 6. For this shall everyone that is godly pray. Uh, wait, look, look at this. For this shall everyone that is godly. Raise your hand if you've been born again. Okay, you're godly. Um, so this is talking about God's people. And this is one of the things that God's people do. This shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee. In a time when thou mayest be found. In other words, the connection by prayer is there. In other words, there is a strong connection of prayer between this person and God. You understand? They'll pray in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. Now, what you see here in verse number six, this is someone who has been cleansed of their sin, who's not walking in iniquity, who who has a strong relationship with God, who is able to pray at the drop of a hat, right? At the drop of a hat, they're able to pray. And what the Bible says about them is they're able to pray in a time when God may be found. And here's the promise associated with someone who can pray like this. This is the promise. Look, if if you need to call somebody else to pray for you. If you need to call somebody else to pray for you, it's okay to have prayer friends. It's okay to have prayer friends because a multitude of prayer is not a bad thing. But in the day of battle, you need to pray in the day of battle. You need a connection with God. In the day of battle, you need to lay down your sins and iniquities and choose God instead of those things that keep you back from God. And here you see, he says, this is the promise. In the day of trouble, God is able to be found. And here's the promise, guys. Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. Floods in the Bible, in in, in this context, represents calamities. Calamities. Calamities trials bad experiences storms of life and so though the storms of life may be many floods of great waters represents trial after trial after trial floods of great waters represents how many of you have been through those experiences where it's a gut shot How many of you have had the wonderful experience of having gut shot after gut shot after gut shot, if you know what I mean? When you think that it couldn't get any worse, it just gets worse. Those are great waters. Those are floods of great waters. And I want you to see that those floods of great waters will not overcome you. Those floods of great waters will not, shall not, cannot overcome you because you're an overcomer in Christ. Amen. Those floods of great waters will not overpower you. Amen. Because you have a connection to God, because you have a strong prayer life, because you have taken things you've gotten you've taken care of those issues between you and God, and you're walking in the Spirit, you're living a life where you're praying without ceasing, and those things will not overcome you, Amen. You know it's 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 pretty sad whenever somebody begins to not walk in the Spirit. Whenever somebody begins to uh, not pray. It's pretty sad because inevitably there is something that's going to push them the wrong button. If if somebody's not praying, you can park in their parking spot and they may fall to pieces on you. If somebody's not praying, you you may say the wrong word, right? Instead of hello, you may say hey. And if they're not prayed up, they're going to lose it. Well, I'm a human. Why don't you say hello to me? You said hello to everybody else. Now you said hey to me. This is somebody who's been wound up because they're not right with God. They've allowed the calamities and the trials of life to put an edge on them that shouldn't be there. Amen? Amen. And so, these things happen to every single one of us, but God's call is that we pray without ceasing. There's there's two reasons why you want to pray without ceasing. You ready for them? Number one, because God said to do it and you need to do it. Amen. Some mountains only move by prayer. That's number one. God said to do it. You need to do it. And some mountains only move by prayer. Secondly, the reason why you pray without ceasing is it keeps you right with God. Amen. There it is. That is, um, that is what God's looking for when He's telling you to pray without ceasing. He's telling you to keep calling on Him because that's what He told you to do. He told you to cast your cares on Him. It wasn't Peter that told you that. It was God. God said to cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Roll those burdens over onto God. Quit holding on to them. Quit holding on to them like they're something precious. Release the burdens to God because God cares for you. That's in 1 Peter. Now, what, and, 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 and like I said, there's two reasons because God is good. God's the only one that can help you. But secondly, it keeps you right with God. It keeps you in a position where God can deliver you from the day of calamity. There's not a person on God's green earth that will not experience calamity in one form or the other. There's not one person on God's green earth who will not experience trials and hardships. No matter what you do, Every king has had to face trials. Every queen has had to face trials. Every servant, every peasant, every worker every president, every congressman, you're not exempt by how good your status in life is. You're not exempt by any of that. Because why? Because we live in a fallen world. And and, and this world has not been redeemed yet. Our souls have been redeemed, but this world has not been redeemed yet. It will be when the Lord Jesus comes back and He makes a, a new heaven and a new earth. But until that day, this world is falling to pieces. And if you want to stay right with God, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. Now look, let me say a couple of things on this and I'm gonna gonna go a little bit deeper on this. Number one, one of the main reasons why people don't pray is because they don't feel like they're right with God. So that's between you and God and you need to drop the rocks and get right with God. First off, right out the bat, Whatever it is, if you told a lie last week, go to the altar, whether it's in your home, your living room, your car, and get on your knees and ask the Lord to forgive you. Well, whatever it is, amen? amen? That's the number one reason why people don't pray. Number two is because they feel like they can't approach God, which goes back to number one. They feel like they can't approach God because they messed up last week or they messed up yesterday. They feel like they're not worthy. Amen? But how many of you know, you don't go to God because you're worthy. Amen. You don't have the right to go to God because of your good works. You don't have the right to go to God because of you. You only have the right to go to God because you obtain mercy by coming boldly to the throne of grace through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that and that alone is the only way that you can approach God otherwise we would not be able to approach God Amen. so these floods of great waters they come on all of us a lot of us you know we, you know we have to keep in this attitude of prayer we have to keep this prayerful relationship going with God some of us we need to get rid of sin some of us you know we need to stop feeling like we don't we you know aren't worthy because Christ has Paved the way, okay? It's not about your worthiness. It's about His worthiness. Amen. Did He make access? Yes. Amen. Did Jesus make a way for you to have access to the Father? Amen. Amen. Did the veil on the temple become rent from top to bottom? signifying there is no more separation between the holy of holies and the holy place. It signified that you now have access to God. Did the Bible not tell you that you are the temple of God if you're born again? Amen. That the Holy Spirit resides within you? Did the Bible not tell you this? Amen? Amen. And, and God didn't do it because you're worthy. Amen. He did it because Christ is worthy.
0: You have been listening to Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. Gospel Lighthouse Church is located at 4350 Panther Drive in Bossier City. Go to churchlighthouse.com for more information. And please tune in again next time for Defending the Faith. It's time for Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bosier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. And now, here's Pastor Kenny Word.
1: God said to cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Roll those burdens over onto God. Quit holding on to them. Quit holding on to them like they're something precious. Release the burdens to God because God cares for you. That's in 1 Peter. Now, what, and, 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 and like I said, it's two reasons because God is good. God's the only one that can help you. But secondly, it keeps you right with God it keeps you in a position where God can deliver you from the day of calamity there's not a person on God's green earth that will not experience calamity in one form or the other there's not one person on God's green earth who will not experience trials and hardships no matter what you do every king has had to face trials every queen has had to face trials every servant every peasant every worker every president every congressman you're not exempt by how good your status in life is. You're not exempt by any of that. Because why? Because we live in a fallen world. And, and and this world has not been redeemed yet. Our souls have been redeemed, but this world has not been redeemed yet. It will be when the Lord Jesus comes back and He makes a, a new heaven and a new earth but until that day, this world is falling to pieces. And if you want to stay right with God, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. Now look, let me say a couple of things on this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit deeper on this. Number one, One of the main reasons why people don't pray is because they don't feel like they're right with God. So that's between you and God, and you need to drop the rocks and get right with God. First off, right out the bat, whatever it is. If you told a lie last week, go to the altar, whether it's in your home, your living room, your car, and get on your knees and ask the Lord to forgive you. Well, Whatever it is. Amen. That's the number one reason why people don't pray. Number two is because they feel like they can't approach God, which goes back to number one. They feel like they can't approach God because they messed up last week or they messed up yesterday. They feel like they're not worthy. Amen. But how many of you know you don't go to God because you're worthy? You don't have the right to go to God because of your good works. You don't have the right to go to God because of you. You only have the right to go to God because you obtain mercy by coming boldly to the throne of grace through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That and that alone is the only way that you can approach God. Otherwise, we would not be able to approach God. Amen. So these floods of great waters, they come on all of us. A lot of us, you know, we, you know, we have to keep in this attitude of prayer. We have to keep this prayerful relationship going with God. Some of us we need to get rid of sin. Some of us, you know, we need to stop feeling like we don't, we, you know, aren't worthy because Christ has. Paved the way, okay? It's not about your worthiness. It's about His worthiness. Amen. Did He make access? Yes. Amen. Did Jesus make a way for you to have access to the Father? Amen. Amen. Did the veil on the temple become rent from top to bottom? signifying there is no more separation between the holy of holies and the holy place. It signified that you now have access to God. Did the Bible not tell you that you are the temple of God if you're born again? That the Holy Spirit resides within you? Did the Bible not tell you this? Amen. Amen? And And God didn't do it because you're worthy. He did it because Christ is worthy. Amen. He is worthy. He is our high priest. He is our mediator. Amen? Amen? There's one mediator between God and man, right? The man, Christ Jesus. The God-man. And so, because of His sacrifice, because of Him becoming the sinless sacrifice. Because of Him making the way, now you have the ability to go to God in prayer. Amen? You have the ability based on Christ's worthiness. So it's not about your worthiness. Get that out of your mind. It's not about you being worthy. It's about Christ being worthy. And I assure you, on, this, on the authority of the Word of God, Christ is worthy now here's the third point on why most people don't pray some people have sin some people feel unworthy here's the third point it's less serious some of you just need to to you don't have the stamina physically some of you just don't have the stamina physically And I'll tell you this, one uh, one minister, uh, and I can't remember his name, but he said, sometimes the most godly thing you can do is get a good night's sleep. Sometimes that's what you need to do. Sometimes you're just too tired, you're too worn out, and you need to just, you know, pray, have a good night's sleep, and then get up and get at it. Okay. But what I'm saying is sometimes you need to take care of business so that then you can go to the Lord and take care of business. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Sometimes you need to arrange things in your life. For example, you, if, uh, you might need to turn the TV off so that you can pray. You're not going to be able to pray and watch TV at the same time. I hate to tell you that. There's practical reasons why some people can't pray. Some people can't pray because, well, it's too pretty outside. I got to go outside. Right? Some people can't pray because this, that, or the other. We all just make excuses. God's not looking for excuses, God's looking for men and women to pray. You want to see mountains move in your lifetime? You want to see a church catch on fire? You want to see a move of God in your day? Or are you okay just how it is? I want to see a church catch on fire. Amen. I want to see a move of God. If, it, if, if, if the problem is because we're not praying, shame on us. I promise you, God has not run out of power. I promise you, he's not on a standby generator. The Spirit of God is willing. The Spirit is willing. The flesh is what? So the problem in churches is that churches don't pray. I know that you're tired of me saying this. But why is it? Ask yourself, please ask yourself, why a hundred people come to a potluck lunch and five people come to a prayer meeting? Why? When it would be one thing if we lived in utopia. It would be one thing if we lived in paradise. But we don't. We live in a godless generation. We live in a day and time when people have no hope, when people are addicted to drugs and pornography. We live in a day and time when when our government is endorsing sodomy, which God hates, God calls an abomination. We live in a day and time when people are offering their babies up to Molech in abortion mills. We live in a day and time where people are worshiping Hindu gods and everything else under the sun. So why is it when churches call for potluck lunches, 100 people come, prayer meetings, five? When you figure that out, let me know. That's rhetorical. I'll tell you, when you figure that out, you've hit pay dirt. You've started to turn the corner. If you'll critically think about it, if you'll let your mind go deeper, that, you know, we live in a society right now where we, hey, Google everything, and so we don't have to really think about anything. But if you'll take that thought and meditate on it, ask yourself why people don't pray in the church. Think about it. I'll tell you why it is. Because they, just like the frog in the boiling pot, have become. They, just like the frog in the boiling pot, have become. You've heard the story before. The, The only way that you can boil a live frog is to put him in mild water where he's comfortable. Hello. And once the frog is comfortable, then you can slightly turn the temperature up. Abortion. Then you can slightly turn the temperature up. Remove prayer from school. Then you can slightly turn the temperature up. Divorce rate higher in the church than in the world. Then you can slightly turn the temperature up. Sodomite marriage. Then you can slightly turn. And you see what happens? The only way that the frog will stay in the pot is if he's comfortable. If you make it too hot or too cold, he's going to jump out. If you get boiling water and stick a live frog on there, you've got a problem on your hands because he's going to be jumping everywhere trying to get out. And what happened to the church is the enemy has slowly increased the temperature of the boiling pot. The church has acclimated itself into a godless culture. I'll say that again. The church has acclimated itself into a godless culture. We accept the way it is. At best, we bellyache. Or call on the one or two that go to the prayer meetings to fight it. When as men and women of God, we should be locking arms, shedding tears, and crying out to God for a change. The problem is our hearts have become hard. We no longer are responding to the suffering. We no longer are responding to people As in David's time with Goliath, we are no longer able to say, like David, there is a cause. David saw that the God of Israel was being defied, and he stood his ground. We won't. Our God is being defied today just as much. that day where's the Davids at where are the Davids where are God's people I'll tell you where we are we're at potluck lunches we're at business meetings we're at committee meetings we're watching TV we're playing games We're running Billy Bob to soccer practice. And the world's going to hell. That's where we are. We're busy doing everything else under the sun except for the one thing that God has called us to do. Pray. Fight. Get engaged. Get involved. As David did. Say, look that godless world out there is defying my god this is a time to fight this is a time to intercede this is a time to pray look everybody fulfills a different role in In God's plan everybody fulfills a different role in God's army some people are preachers some people are teachers some people are senders some people are the ones being sent everybody fulfills a different role but we're all called to fight in prayer you don't get an exemption card from praying in God's army God's called the church to pray without ceasing amen you may not have spiritual stamina you may not have prayer stamina it's time to start building it you've got to start somewhere it may only be five minutes tonight start with five minutes tonight don't get I always tell people don't get caught up in time and you know, I, I, I got saved in a church where they told us we had to pray an hour a day. You know? Then I was in another church that said you got to pray a tithe of your time. So you had to pray two hours and 40 minutes or something. Then, and everybody has different formulas, different plans. But the problem is the first day you mess up, you feel condemnation. God's not into condemnation. <laughs> God's into conviction. God moves you by conviction. The enemy stops you by condemnation. Many Tom, God moves you by conviction. The enemy stops you by condemnation. You with me? Now, one of the problems that we see in this passage is that there is a time to pray. He said that he prayed in a time when thou mayest be found. This, this harkens back to the time whenever Jesus is talking about the parable of the ten virgins. Five of them had their lamps full of oil. Holy Spirit. The five of them had not their lamps full. They thought, when the time comes, I'll be able to get some oil. Right? They were too busy living life to keep their vessel full of the oil of God. You can get too busy for God. Amen? You can get too busy for God the parable of the ten virgins should teach us that we should not be too busy for god it should teach us that we should do whatever we've got to do to keep our vessel full of the oil of god whatever it is whatever it is but you see here in this passage it says that that in a they prayed in a time When thou mayest be found. In other words, they didn't wait until all everything broke loose. They had prayed up beforehand. They had prayed up beforehand. They had kept themselves in an in a place of prayer. Okay? You wait till the day of calamity. You're going to have a hard time but if you keep yourself in an attitude of prayer when the day of calamity comes you'll have this verse to hold on to you'll say just like this psalmist did in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto me you'll be able to stand up and say god the bottom's fallen out but I've stayed prayed up and your word says that even when those great floods of water come against me it shall not come nigh me and you'll be walking on top of the situation instead of under the situation. Amen. You, amen? Do you know that it's not it is not the size of the battle. It's not the size of the enemy that counts. It's you being right with God that counts. Ask Gideon. Go, go over there to Judges and ask Gideon. If it's the size of the enemy that counts, or if it's the size of being right with God that counts. And when calamities come, it's not how big the opposition is. It's about you being right with God. If you'll be right with God no matter how big the trial is, it could be the worst thing that you could possibly dream of. It could be that one person leaving you that you never wanted to leave. It could be that one job being taken from you that you never wanted to take in. It could be losing a house, losing a car, losing a job, losing friends, losing family. Ask Job what it's like. But what did Job do? He stayed connected to God. He stayed prayed up. Amen? Amen. How many of you know, even though Job lost his family, even though he lost his possessions, his house, even his health, he stayed connected to God And those floods did not overtake Him. The floods, the calamities, the great waters, they came against Him, inundating, pushing, always coming against Him day after day, battle after battle. But He stayed connected to God before the calamity came. He was connected to God. and, And God, that connection sustained Him through the calamity, so that he could, Job could have preached this message better than anybody else. Job could have preached this message. Job could have told us, look, if you'll stay connected to God, no matter how big the waves are when they come against you, no matter how big the trial is, no matter how strong the opposition is, no matter how tall Goliath looks, I want you to know, right? I want you to know, no matter how big it is, it will not come nigh you. Why? Because you're connected to God. You're connected to God, and the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not your battle. You know David didn't go fight Goliath in his own strength. You know that that battle belonged to God. That shepherd boy, when he slung those rocks, you know it was the hand of God that guided those rocks right into the forehead of Goliath. Amen? Amen. Why do you think it's different with you? You'll stay connected to God. God will fight your battles for you. All He calls you to do is get engaged you stay engaged you stay prayed up god will fight your battles for you you got a you you got a a battle on your hands better stay prayed up amen better stay prayed up and look at this seventh verse Thou is speaking of god anytime you see that t that's singular it's talking about god thine is the kingdom thine is the glory thou thou art my hiding place this person has a secret connection with god when everything else is falling apart this person is able to get into the prayer closet and go oh finally when, when everything else is going wrong, this person is able to get down at the altar and, and go to where their hiding place is. Their hiding place is, is, is not going out and cutting the grass. Their hiding place is, is not a tub of ice cream. Their, their hiding place is not a big old steak or this or that. What, what soothes his soul is God. God is his hiding place. This is my refuge. Sometimes you talk to carnal folks, and they'll say, "Well, you know, I, I, I'm a Christian, but you know, sometimes I just gotta, you know, do what I gotta do." This person had it flip flopped. He is doing what he had to do was getting in the secret place with God. Psalm 91, verse 1. His, his I just got to do what I got to do was, I've got to get along with God. That's my hiding place. That's my secret place. That's where I belong. That's where I find who I am that's where I find my bearings that's how I know what is up and what is down what's left and right what's right and what's wrong it's when I get into that secret place when I get into the hiding place with God and God is able to minister to me things that nobody else can God can supply strength when I shouldn't have any at all God can give me wisdom when I'm one of the most ignorant people on earth God can give me courage when I'm one of the weakest people on. On earth, amen? amen. It comes in that secret place with God, and so He says, Thou art my hiding place. God should be your ultimate refuge. God should be your ultimate refuge, not a church, not a denomination, not a person, not your bank account, not your house, not your job, not anything else but God. God should be your hiding place. God should be the One that you run to. God should be the One. Thou art my hiding place. Thou, still speaking of God, Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Preserve. God. God preserves His people in times of trouble. God has an ability to sustain you when the sun is scorching you. God has an ability to meet your needs when everything else has taken them away. God has an ability to bring things to pass that don't make sense. God is the one who preserves His people. When you get that mixed up, you will take matters in your own hands. If you do not understand that God preserves his people, you'll begin to try to preserve yourself. You may even lie, cheat, or steal to do it. Hello. God preserves his people. Thou, still speaking of God, Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. You see, whenever those things come against me, those things bring bondage, those things try to entrap me and enslave me. But as I stay connected to God through prayer, God brings songs of deliverance. In other words, every time I go into that secret place, every time I go into that hiding place with God, God whispers, I'm your deliverer. I brought Israel out of bondage of Egypt. I have brought you out of bondage of sin. And I'll bring you out of this one too. God delivers His people from bondage. God will sing songs of deliverance over you as you depend on God. God doesn't force you to depend on God. God doesn't force you to pray. God doesn't force you to go to the hiding place. But if you will, God will. If you will, God will. Amen?
0: You have been listening to Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bozeman City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. Gospel Lighthouse Church is located at 4350 Panther Drive in Bozeman City. Go to churchlighthouse.com for more information, and please tune in again next time for Defending the Faith. It's time for Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. And now, here's Pastor Kenny Word.
1: How many of you have been through those experiences where it's a gut shot How many of you have had the wonderful experience of having gut shot after gut shot after gut shot, if you know what I mean? When you think that it couldn't get any worse, it just gets worse. Those are great waters. Those are floods of great waters. And I want you to see that those floods of great waters will not overcome you. Those floods of great waters will not, shall not, cannot overcome you because you're an overcomer in Christ. Amen. Those floods of great waters will not overpower you. Amen. Because you have a connection to God, because you have a strong prayer life, because you have taken things you've gotten you've taken care of those issues between you and God, and you're walking in the Spirit, you're living a life where you're praying without ceasing, and those things will not overcome you. Amen. You know it's 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 pretty sad whenever somebody begins to not walk in the Spirit. Whenever somebody begins to uh, not pray. It's pretty sad because inevitably there is something that's going to push them the wrong button. If if somebody's not praying, you can park in their parking spot and they may fall to pieces on you. If somebody's not praying, you you may say the wrong word, right? Instead of hello, you may say hey. And if they're not prayed up, they're going to lose it. Well, I'm a human. Why don't you say hello to me? You said hello to everybody else. Now you said hey to me. <laughs> this is somebody who's been wound up because they're not right with God. They've allowed the calamities and the trials of life to put an edge on them that shouldn't be there. Amen? Amen. And so these things happen to every single one of us, but God's call is that we pray without ceasing. There's, there's two reasons why you want to pray without ceasing. You ready for them? Number one, because God said to do it, and you need to do it. Amen. Some mountains only move by prayer. That's number one. God said to do it, you need to do it, and some mountains only move by prayer. Secondly, the reason why you pray without ceasing is it keeps you right with God. There it is. That is, um, that is what God's looking for when He's telling you to pray without ceasing. He's telling you to keep calling on Him because that's what He told you to do. He told you to cast your cares on Him. It wasn't Peter that told you that. It was God. God said to cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Roll those burdens over onto God. Quit holding on to them. Quit holding on to them like they're something precious. Release the burdens to God because God cares for you. That's in 1 Peter. Now, what? And, 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 and like I said, it's two reasons because God is good. God's the only one that can help you. But secondly, it keeps you right with God it keeps you in a position where God can deliver you from the day of calamity there's not a person on God's green earth that will not experience calamity in one form or the other there's not one person on God's green earth who will not experience trials and hardships no matter what you do every king has had to face trials every queen has had to face trials every servant every peasant every worker every president every congressman you're not exempt by how good your status in life is. You're not exempt by any of that. Because why? Because we live in a fallen world. And, and, and this world has not been redeemed yet. Our souls have been redeemed, but this world has not been redeemed yet. It will be when the Lord Jesus comes back and He makes a, a new heaven and a new earth. But until that day, this world is falling to pieces. And if you want to stay right with God, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. Now look, let me say a couple of things on this, and I'm I'm going to go a little bit deeper on this. Number one, one of the main reasons why people don't pray is because they don't feel like they're right with God. So that's between you and God, and you need to drop the rocks and get right with God. First off, right out the bat, Whatever it is. If you told a lie last week, go to the altar, whether it's in your home, your living room, your car, and get on your knees and ask the Lord to forgive you. Well, Whatever it is. Amen? Amen. That's the number one reason why people don't pray. Number two is because they feel like they can't approach God, which goes back to number one. They feel like they can't approach God because they messed up last week or they messed up yesterday. They feel like they're not worthy. Amen? But how many of you know, you don't go to God because you're worthy.
0: Amen.
1: Amen. You don't have the right to go to God because of your good works. You don't have the right to go to God because of you. You only have the right to go to God because you obtain mercy by coming boldly to the throne of grace through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That and that alone is the only way that you can approach God. Otherwise, we would not be able to approach God. So these floods of great waters, they come on all of us, a lot of us. You know, we, you know we have to keep in this attitude of prayer. We have to keep this prayerful relationship going with God. Some of us we need to get rid of sin. Some of us, you know, we need to stop feeling like we don't we you know aren't worthy because Christ has paved the way, okay? It's not about your worthiness. It's about his worthiness. Amen. Did he make access? Yes, amen. Did Jesus make a way for you to have access to the Father. Did the veil on the temple become rent from top to bottom, signifying there is no more separation between the holy of holies and the holy place? It signified that you now have access to God. Did the Bible not tell you that you are the temple of God if you're born again? That the Holy Spirit resides within you? Did the Bible not tell you this? Amen? Amen. And and God didn't do it because you're worthy. He did it because Christ is worthy. He is worthy. He is our high priest. He is our mediator. Amen? Amen? There's one mediator between God and man, right? The man, Christ Jesus. The God-man. And so, because of His sacrifice, because of Him becoming the sinless sacrifice, because of Him making the way, now you have the ability to go to God in prayer. Amen? You have the ability based on Christ's worthiness. So it's not about your worthiness. Get that out of your mind. It's not about you being worthy. It's about Christ being worthy. And I assure you, on, this, on the authority of the Word of God, Christ is worthy. Amen. Amen. And then, well, here's the third point on why most people don't pray. It's, it's some people have sin. Some people feel unworthy. Here's the third point. It's less serious. Some of you just need to... to you don't have the stamina physically. Some of you just don't have the stamina physically. And I'll tell you this, one, one, uh, one minister, uh, and I can't remember his name, but he said sometimes the most godly thing you can do is get a good night's sleep. Sometimes that's what you need to do. Sometimes you're just too tired, you're too worn out, and you need to just, you know, pray, have a good night's sleep, and then get up and get at it. Okay? Okay? But what I'm saying is sometimes you need to take care of business so that then you can go to the Lord and take care of business. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you need to arrange things in your life. For example, you you might need to turn the TV off so that you can pray. You're not going to be able to pray and watch TV at the same time. I hate to tell you that. There's practical reasons why some people can't pray. Some people can't pray because, well, it's too pretty outside. I got to go outside. Right? Some people can't pray because this, that, or the other. We all just make excuses. God's not looking for excuses, God's looking for men and women to pray. You want to see mountains move in your lifetime? You want to see a church catch on fire? You want to see a move of God in your day? Are you okay? Just how it is? I want to see a church catch on fire. I want to see a move of God. If 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 the problem is because we're not praying, shame on us. I promise you, God has not run out of power. I promise you, He's not on a standby generator. The Spirit of God is willing. The Spirit is willing. The flesh is what? So the problem in churches is that churches don't pray. I know that you're tired of me saying this. But why is it? Ask yourself. Please ask yourself. Why a hundred people come to a potluck lunch? and five people come to a prayer meeting. Why? When it would be one thing if we lived in utopia. It would be one thing if we lived in paradise. But we don't. We live in a godless generation. We live in a day and time when people have no hope, when people are addicted to drugs and pornography. We live in a day and time when when our government is endorsing sodomy, which God hates, God calls an abomination. We live in a day and time when people are offering their babies up to Molech in abortion mills. We live in a day and time where people are worshiping Hindu gods and everything else under the sun. So why is it when churches call for potluck lunches, 100 people come, prayer meetings five. When you figure that out, let me know. That's rhetorical. I'll tell you, when you figure that out, you've hit pay dirt. You've started to turn the corner. If you'll critically think about it, if you'll let your mind go deeper, that, you know, we live in a society right now where we, hey, Google everything, and so we don't have to really think about anything, but if you'll take that thought And meditate on it. Ask yourself, why people don't pray in the church? Think about it. I'll tell you why it is. Because they, just like the frog in the boiling pot, have become. They, just like the frog in the boiling pot, have become. You've heard the story before. The, the only way that you can boil a live frog is to put him in mild water where he's comfortable. Hello? And once the frog is comfortable, then you can slightly turn the temperature up. Abortion. Then you can slightly turn the temperature up. Remove prayer from school. Then you can slightly turn the temperature up. Divorce rate higher in the church than in the world. Then you can slightly turn the temperature up, sodomite marriage. Then you can slightly turn... And you see what happens? The only way that the frog will stay in the pot is if he's comfortable. If you make it too hot or too cold, he's going to jump out. If you get boiling water and stick a live frog on there, you've got a problem on your hands because he's going to be jumping everywhere trying to get out. And what happened to the church is the enemy has slowly increased the temperature of the boiling pot. The church has acclimated itself into a godless culture. I'll say that again. The church has acclimated itself into a godless culture. We accept the way it is. At best, we belly ache or call on the one or two that go to the prayer meetings to fight it. When as men and women of God, we should be locking arms, shedding tears, and crying out to God for a change. The problem is, our hearts have become hard. We no longer are responding to the suffering. We no longer are responding to people as in David's time with Goliath. We are no longer able to say like David, there is a cause. David saw that the God of Israel was being defied and He stood His ground. We won't. Our God is being defied today just as much as that day. Where's the Davids at? Where are the Davids? Where are God's people? I'll tell you where we are. We're at potluck lunches. We're at business meetings. We're at committee meetings. We're watching TV. We're playing games. We're running Billy Bob to soccer practice. And the world's going to hell. That's where we are. We're busy doing everything else under the sun except for the one thing that God has called us to do. Pray. Fight. Get engaged. Get involved. As David did, say, look, that godless world out there is defying my God. This is a time to fight. This is a time to intercede. This is a time to pray. Now look, everybody fulfills a different role in in God's plan. Everybody fulfills a different role in God's army. Some people are preachers. Some people are teachers. Some people are senders. Some people are the ones being sent. Everybody fulfills a different role. But we're all called to fight in prayer. You don't get an exemption card from praying in God's army. God's called the church to pray without ceasing. Amen. You may not have spiritual stamina. You may not have prayer stamina. It's time to start building it. You've got to start somewhere. It may only be five minutes tonight. Start with five minutes tonight. Don't get, I always tell people, don't get caught up in time. You know, I I, I got saved in a church where they told us we had to pray an hour a day. You know, then I was in another church that said, you got to pray a tithe of your time. So you had to pray Two hours and 40 minutes, or something. And everybody has different formulas, different plans. But the problem is the first day you mess up, you feel condemnation. God's not into condemnation, God's into conviction. God moves you by conviction. The enemy stops you by condemnation. Tom. God moves you by conviction. The enemy stops you by condemnation. You with me? Now, one of the problems that we see in this passage is that there is a time to pray. He said that He prayed in a time when thou mayest be found. This hearkens this back to the time whenever Jesus is talking about the parable of the ten virgins. Five of them had their lamps full of oil. Holy Spirit. The five of them... Had not their lamps full. They thought, when the time comes, I'll be able to get some oil, right? They were too busy living life to keep their vessel full of the oil of God. You can get too busy for God. Amen? You can get too busy for God. The parable of the ten virgins should teach us that we should not be too busy for God. It should teach us that we should do whatever we've got to do to keep our vessel full of the oil of God. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. But you see here in this passage, it says that, that in a, they prayed in a time when thou mayest be found. In other words, they didn't wait until all, everything broke loose. They had prayed up beforehand. They had prayed up beforehand. They had kept themselves in, an, in a place of prayer. Okay? You wait till the day of calamity, you're going to have a hard time. But if you keep yourself in an attitude of prayer, when the day of calamity comes you'll have this verse to hold on to. You'll say, just like this psalmist did, in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto me. You'll be able to stand up and say, God, the bottom's fallen out, but I've stayed prayed up, and Your Word says that even when those great floods of water come against me, it shall not come nigh me. And you'll be walking on top of the situation instead of under the situation. You, amen. Do you know that it's not it is not the size of the battle. It's not the size of the enemy that counts. It's you being right with God that counts. Yeah. Ask Gideon. Go, go over there to Judges and ask Gideon, if it's the size of the enemy that counts or it's the size of being right with God that counts. And when calamities come, it's not how big the opposition is. It's about you being right with God. If you'll be right with God, no matter how big the trial is. It could be the worst thing that you could possibly dream of. It could be that one person leaving you that you never wanted to leave. It could be that one job being taken from you that you never wanted to take it. It could be losing a house, losing a car, losing a job, losing friends, losing family. Ask Job what it's like. But what did Job do? He stayed connected to God. He stayed prayed up. Amen? Amen. How many of you know, even though Job lost his family, even though he lost his possessions, his house, even his health, he stayed connected to God and those floods did not overtake him. The floods, the calamities, the great waters, they came against him, inundating, pushing, always coming against him, day after day, battle after battle. But he stayed connected to God before the calamity came. He was connected to God, and, and God, that connection, sustained him through the calamity so that he could, Job could have preached this message better than anybody else. Job could have preached this message. Job could have told us, look, if you'll stay connected to God, no matter how big the waves are when they come against you, no matter how big the trial is, no matter how strong the opposition is, no matter how tall Goliath looks, I want you to know, right? I want you to know, no matter how big it is, it will not come nigh you. Why? Because you're connected to God. You're connected to God and the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not your battle. You know David didn't go fight Goliath Goliath in his own strength. You know that that battle belonged to God. That shepherd boy, when he slung those rocks, you know it was the hand of God that guided those rocks right into the forehead of Goliath. Amen? Amen? Why do you think it's different with you? You'll stay connected to God. God will fight your battles for you. All He calls you to do is get engaged. You stay engaged. You stay prayed up. God will fight your battles for you. You got a, you, you got a, a battle on your hands? Better stay prayed up. Amen? Better stay prayed up. And look at this 7th verse. Thou, is speaking of God... Anytime you see that T, that's singular. It's talking about God. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the glory. Thou. Thou art my hiding place. This person has a secret connection with God. When everything else is falling apart, this person is able to get into the prayer closet and go, oh, finally... When, when everything else is going wrong, this person is able to get down at the altar and, and go to where their hiding place is. Their hiding place is, is, is not going out and cutting the grass. Their hiding place is not a tub of ice cream. Their, their hiding place is not a big old steak or this or that. What, what soothes his soul is God. God is his hiding place. This is my refuge. Sometimes you talk to carnal folks, and they'll say, "Well, you know, I'm a Christian, but you know, sometimes I just gotta, you know, do what I gotta do." This person had it flip flopped. His doing what he had to do was getting in the secret place with God. Psalm ninety-one, verse one. His his I just gotta do what I gotta do was I've gotta get along with God that's my hiding place that's my secret place that's where i belong that's where i find who i am That's where I find my bearings. That's how I know what is up and what is down, what's left and right, what's right and what's wrong. It's when I get into that secret place, when I get into that hiding place with God, and God is able to minister to me things that nobody else can. God can supply strength when I shouldn't have any at all. God can give me wisdom when I'm one of the most ignorant people on earth. God can give me courage when I'm one of the weakest people on earth. Amen? It comes in that secret place with God. And so He says, Thou art my hiding place. God should be your ultimate refuge. God should be your ultimate refuge. Not a church. Not a denomination. Not a person. Not your bank account. Not your house. Not your job. Not anything else but God. God should be your hiding place. God should be the one that you run to. God should be the one. Thou art my hiding place. Thou, still speaking of God, thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Preserve. God. God preserves. His people in times of trouble. God has an ability to sustain you when the sun is scorching you. God has an ability to meet your needs when everything else has taken them away. God has an ability to bring things to pass that don't make sense. God is the one who preserves His people. When you get that mixed up, you will take matters in your own hands. If you do not understand that God preserves His people, you'll begin to try to preserve yourself. You may even lie, cheat, or steal to do it. Hello? God preserves His people. Thou, still speaking of God, Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. You see, whenever those things come against me, those things bring bondage. Those things try to entrap me and enslave me. But as I stay connected to God through prayer, God brings songs of deliverance. In other words, every time I go into that secret place, every time I go into that hiding place with God, God whispers, I'm your deliverer. I brought Israel out of bondage of Egypt. I've brought you out of bondage of sin, and I'll bring you out of this one too. God delivers his people from bondage. God will sing songs of deliverance over you as you depend on God. God doesn't force you to depend on God. God doesn't force you to pray. God doesn't force you to go to the hiding place. But if you will, God will. If
0: you will, God will. Amen? Amen? You have been listening to Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. Gospel Lighthouse Church is located at 4350 Panther Drive in Bossier City. Go to churchlighthouse.com for more information, and please tune in again next time for Defending the Faith.